remind everyone that as we carry on in this series, pay close attention to the pictures in that video. You'll recognize some of the scenes as we go on. If you And you may already recognize some of them if you've uh, read through the book of 2 Samuel, but um, we're, just, we're just hypnotizing you with the screens right now. This, so, um, anyways, uh, we're, we're in 2 Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 17, just a brief review from last week. Samuel is uh, broken up into three parts. We have David's triumphs, David's transgressions, and David's troubles, where we read a little bit about Saul and David in 1 Samuel. We're really going to finally see uh, David come into this kingship and become king um, in, in this uh, Second Samuel. David is also actually the second most talked about person in scripture. We talked about that last week. He has 62 chapters devoted to him. And by contrast, Abraham and Joseph only have 14 chapters. Jacob has 11. Elijah has uh, less than 10 chapters. So other than Jesus, David has the most chapters in the Bible devoted to him. He's a big deal. He's a really big deal. And he's part of the line of Christ, and uh, a huge part of that. Two times calls him, Scripture calls him a man after God's own heart. And last week, what we saw is him receive the news that Jonathan and Saul were dead on Mount Gilboa. Jonathan was his dearest friend, his closest friend, and he was the son of Saul, who at one point, Saul and David had a kind of like a father-son relationship. And it just went really bad the more insecure Saul got. And so Saul started to try to kill David. And, uh, and so you, you see this interesting dynamic even between the son of Saul and, and, and uh, Saul himself and David. It's, you know, if you want any review, you could go back and, and listen to 1 Samuel. You could, of course, read it also. But in any way, shape, or form, this is tragic news for David, at least in part because of Jonathan. What we said last week is you might think that David would have been happy to hear about Saul's death, like ding dong, the witch is dead, right? Like you might have thought, right? Like finally, now he can, you know, I can go on with being king, but that's not how he reacted at all. He tore his clothes. He mourned the loss of Saul and, and you're almost kind of left scratching your head. And we talked about some of the significance of that last week and some of that will carry over into this week. But then uh, a very momentous moment, a very um, sharp turn, I think, if you didn't know it was coming. This Amalekite came and, and claimed that he killed Saul. And we covered last week how Amalekites are really not to be trusted. They're terrorists, they're liars. And, uh, and what we're actually told in 1 Samuel is that Saul killed himself. And the Amalekites came along and said, no, he's not. he wasn't dead. He was only mostly dead. And uh, <laughs> he was only... <laughs> He was only mostly dead. I helped finish the job for him. And I, I, we, we all tend to think he's lying. David didn't necessarily know any better. But David, after he's done mourning, turns and looks at the Amalekite and says, your words uh, condemn you. You killed the Lord's anointed. And so he had him killed. And you, so you're, it's not only that he's mourning the death of Saul, he's actually defending Saul. You killed the Lord's anointed. So it's an interesting thing we're seeing. We're learning more about David's character, and it's challenging us, too, because I'll be honest with you. If I'm in David's shoes, I would love to say I would be that way. Like, I would just, you know, forget all the wrong that he did and honor him for the right things he did and 
that for the position he held. And I would love to say that I, I would do that and I could do that. Maybe I could, but it's hard for me to really wrap my head around it as, uh, as admirable as it is. We're going to pick it up in verse 17 this week, and it's not going to be much different. In fact, I'm going to read the whole passage first because it's a song, and then we'll break it down. So 2 Samuel 1, verse 17. David sang the following lament for Saul and his son Jonathan, and he ordered that the Judahites be taught the song of the bow. It is written in the book of Jashar. The splendor of Israel lies in slain on your heights. How the mighty have fallen. Do not tell it in Gath. Don't announce it in the marketplaces of Ashkelon, or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice, and the daughters of the uncircumcised will celebrate. Mountains of Gilboa, let no dew or rain be on you, or fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul no longer anointed with oil. Jonathan's bow never retreated. Saul's sword never returned unstained from the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty. Saul and Jonathan loved and delightful. They were not parted in life or in death. They were swifter than eagles and stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul who clothed you in scarlet with luxurious things, who decked your garments with gold ornaments. How the mighty have fallen in the thick of battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were such a friend to me. Your love for me was more wondrous than the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war have perished. This is the word of the Lord. So we have this song that David wrote and he wanted everybody to learn it. And it was about Saul and Jonathan. And it's all good things he has to say. There's a few negative things, but they're not about Saul and Jonathan. Verse 1, David sang the following lament for Saul. He called it the Song of the Bow, which was most likely a tribute to Jonathan, who was an expert at the bow. He also mentions the book of Jashar. He talks about, is this not mentioned in the book of Jashar? Uh, if you're wondering what that is, it's not a book in your Bible, okay? It, it's not. It's, uh, it's a record of history for Israel. It's only re referenced one other place, and that's in Joshua. And it's kind of like the National Archives is for us. And if you're wondering, hey, why isn't that in the Bible too? Well, there's lots of history, um, there's lots of history books written around the same time that are great, that are informative, that you can pull inspiration from, but they're not part of what we call the canon. The canon is our, is our Bible. Um, but they could even be inspired and not necessarily in the canon. But if you ever want to look it up, you could probably try to find that and it might be interesting reading. But there's other books like it. Verse 19, the splendor of Israel lies slain on your heights. How the mighty have fallen. He's talking about Saul and Jonathan. How the mighty have fallen. He's honoring Saul and Jonathan. Let me ask you a question. How do we decide in our lives, who to give honor to? How do we decide in, 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 our, in our workplace and in our nation and in our state and in our church and our families who we're going to honor? Is honor earned? I think some cases, yeah, it is earned. Do we honor those in office just for being in office? I don't know. What if they do things that are unhonorable? 
if that's a word, <laughs> right? Saul did so many things that were dishonorable. They were not worthy of honor. He, he threw spears at David. Three times he tried to kill David with a spear. And then one time he actually did the same to his own son, Jonathan. He tried to kill his own son with a spear. There's even that story back in 1 Samuel where the soldiers and Jonathan are starving and they're, they're moving and, and no one can eat because Saul told them, nope, none of you can eat. And Jonathan's like, that's silly. So he starts taking the honey off the ground and eating the honey. And Saul's like, I'm going to kill him for that. He did some things that were very dishonorable. He consulted with mediums and witches, which is, we covered that again. You can go back and listen to it. That's not something you ought to do. Why go to a medium? Why go to the stars? Why go to uh, tarot or, or palm reading when you can go straight to the creator of all of those things? Saul didn't go to God. He went to other sources. He slew priests. He, he killed hundreds of priests because he didn't trust them anymore, his own insecurity, because they harbored David. But he also defended the people of Jabesh-Gilead. Back in, in 1 Samuel, the people of Jabesh-Gilead, they had a guy come and said, hey, I'm going to gouge out your eye and cut off your ears unless you make a treaty with me. And if you do, I'm going to do that anyway. So think about it. <laughs> and Saul came in and rescued them from that crazy group of people. So he did that. He was also pretty humble in accepting the kingship. He started, he had a good start. Whether or not it was genuine, it, it's up for debate. But he had a really good start and, and, and looked like he was uh, very humble. And he held the office as king for as long as he did. And yet, he did also dis, dishonorable things. How do you honor someone like that? What about today? Do we honor leaders even when they do things that are dishonorable? Should we? Is it possible to do things that are dishonorable and still deserve honor? This is a real good question that scripture is kind of posing to us in this passage. Because in today's world, as I mentioned last week, it would be a hard no. Like, no, if they do one dishonorable thing, no, cancel them right? But let me turn that back on us. Would you like to be honored for the things you got right or canceled for the things you got wrong? Have you ever done anything dishonorable? Have you done some honorable things too? Which would you like to be remembered for? I hope and pray. I, I love my kids. Being a father is one of my favorite things in life. And I haven't gotten everything perfectly right. Far from it. But I hope someday when Emma and Ethan remember me and Danya, they will remember the right. They will honor what was right and learn from what was wrong. Right? And so this is why I say we don't honor people because of who they are. We honor people because of who we are. Because we want to be honorable. To be honorable, we have to show honor. Amen? And we'd like to be honored for what we got wrong. Cancel culture gets this so bad. They fall terribly short of this. In a misguided effort to remove all dishonorable things or people, we lose all the honorable things that might have been done or the lessons we can learn from their mistakes. 
Cancel culture is the ultimate form of Monday morning quarterbacking. In some cases, it's called presentism. It's judging people in the past for what we know now that they didn't know then. Monday morning quarterbacking, right? It's the guy at work at the water cooler talking to the other guy about the football game yesterday, saying all the plays that they should have called because that guy has the the privilege of knowing things the quarterback didn't know at the time. Get me? It's annoying. If I'm a quarterback, I'd be annoyed with Monday morning quarterbacks. And that's what cancel, cancel culture really is, right? If they'd have known what you had known, maybe things would be different. They don't always have the benefit of knowing what we know. Ultimately, if nothing else, if nothing else, a person be, that person that might be canceled is a person that's made in the image of God. Saul was made in God's image. We have to deal with that. You and I, every one of us, we've been made in God's image. We, are, we bear our maker's mark. So far be it from me to cancel anyone who bears the mark of my maker. He wouldn't cancel them. Jesus doesn't cancel us. I want us to get this today because we, in, in some very misguided efforts, we may do to people what Jesus wouldn't even do to them. Praise God he doesn't cancel us. If anyone had the right to cancel anyone, it's Jesus. He, was, he is perfect. And he laid his life down on the cross and he paid the ultimate sacrifice. No one has done more for you than Jesus. And he doesn't cancel you. He covers you. He covers you. And that, in a sense, is something David is doing for Saul. He honored Saul for the things he got right and ultimately honored Saul not because of who Saul was, but because of who David is. Verse 20. Do not tell it in Gath. Don't announce it in the marketplaces of Ashkelon, or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice, and the daughters of the uncircumcised will celebrate. So Gath was Goliath's hometown, if you remember. Goliath. David and Goliath. And there was also a time when David went to go hide out in Gath, right? He was hiding with the Philistines. And David's saying, look, don't go advertising this. We don't want to subject Israel or Saul and Jonathan to humiliation. Right? They would have an occasion to mock Israel if we do this. And I was thinking about when he, when he was saying that, it's, it's obvious. Like, we don't want the bad guys making fun of us. Okay, good. Let's move on. But hold on a minute. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says this. Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. When you love someone... You're not so quick to expose them, right? I get that Saul was wrong on so many occasions, but David still loved Saul. And I believe what we're seeing here is a real-life example of that verse, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Love covering a multitude of sins. Don't you and I both, I mean, would you admit to me, we want to be with people like that, who when, when we mess up, they love us enough not to ignore it, but not to advertise it, not to use it against us, not to uh, publicly humiliate us. 
right? But cover it. I've sat with people, and hopefully none of you are, are these people. I've sat with people who'd like to crucify their loved one by airing out everything they've ever done wrong to the pastor to make their case. That's not love. Love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't ignore them. It doesn't dust it under the rug, never to be dealt with. It gets dealt with, but love will certainly keep it between one another and be careful not to broadcast it to the world, all the things that someone has done. Why? Because when you do that, ultimately the enemy of our soul, Satan, makes a mockery of you both. And that's what David's saying. Don't advertise it to them. They will mock us. And the principle we're seeing here is the same for us. Let's not advertise. Let's not put it on a billboard. Let's not, in every situation, build our case so everybody knows how much better that I am than that person or how much I have to suffer with that person because then you're just giving the enemy ammunition to undermine you, to discourage you, to mock you, to say you're nothing, you've been defeated, you're just a rotten scoundrel. You'll always be like that. Look at all the things that you did wrong. Look at all the things that they did wrong. If you're the one doing that, then you've got a forgiveness issue. Seriously, if you can't have a conversation with somebody about your spouse, about your kids, about a good friend, without making sure people know, well, this is why I'm this way because they did this. I would just say, ask God to help you forgive them. Because when we forgive and we love, love covers a multitude of sin. And David is doing that for Saul. We need to do that for one another. You get what I'm saying? Not ignore, not dust under the rug. It's not the same thing but we need to cover one another. Don't tell it in Gath. Don't announce it in the marketplace or else they will rejoice and they will mock us and they will celebrate. Verse 21. Mountains of Gilboa, let no dew or rain be on you or fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul no longer anointed with oil. He curses Mount Gilboa. He curses it. He says, no mountain dew. He said, let there be no dew. Mount Gilboa, let there, no mountain dew. That's a terrible curse if you like mountain dew. Coke, Pepsi, everything else, okay, no mountain dew. He curses it because that's where they died, right? <laughs> He says this is where his shield's no longer anointed with oil. Back in the day, they would cover their shields in oil, most of the time because it's leather and that, that keeps it from being weathered by rain and other things. It, it keeps it more sturdy in battle. He's saying there's no longer oil on that, and for them it's also an anointing. There's no longer oil. It's been defiled, what, with Saul's blood. And at one point, uh, an upright shield was a rallying cry for everyone else, but a shield on the ground was defeat. To this day, just, he says, let there be no dew. He's, he's like, let there be no rain. Let, 
you know, all jokes aside about Mountain Dew, let it be dry. And to this day, there's a part of Mount Gilboa, you can, you can look this up, called Saul's Shoulder, and it's barren. Isn't that incredible? When you think about what David said, his Mountain Dew curse, that's all you're going to remember today, his Mountain Dew curse in that part of that mountain is still dry and barren. Verse 22, Jonathan's bow never retreated. Saul's sword never returned unstained from the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty. 23, Saul and Jonathan loved and delightful. They were not parted in life or in death. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul who clothed you in scarlet with luxurious things, who decked your garments with gold ornaments. How the mighty have fallen in the thick of battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. So not only is Jonathan honoring Saul himself, now he's telling everybody else to. This is, this is going the extra mile with love covering a multitude of sins. Okay, I won't talk about, I won't hold this all against you and make this everything about all you did wrong, but I'm going to tell everybody else, remember what he did for you. Weep for him. He took care of you. He, he made sure you had luxurious things. He clothed you in scarlet, 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 and garments of gold ornaments. He did good for you. You should weep for him. So not only is he honoring, he's saying everyone else, we've got to honor Saul. We've got to honor him. In today's world, this is the equivalence to honoring imperfect people in our history. You almost have to be careful who you honor anymore. You could get labeled a certain way because of someone else's mistakes, and, and even though they also did honorable things. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I know I keep talking about it, but that, that's the cancel culture. Like, hey, you're not allowed to honor these people because they did X, Y, Z. And if you did that, you're honoring the, the bad that they did. That's not true. Don't put yourself in that trap. You can honor and encourage other people to honor the good that someone did, even in spite of the bad. And that is, before you get upset about that, that is good news for you. I've already said enough about that. Verse 26, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were such a good friend to me. Your love for me was more wondrous than the love of women. It's like he starts talking to Jonathan here. And you remember they were very close friends. And I have to address this because it, it, this is the world we live in. But members of the LGBTQ community would often use this verse as an affirmation that Jonathan and David were living in a homosexual relationship. And I, I just need to clear this up with y'all. That would be reading today's context into this text. Rather than taking in the, the historical context around when this was written, which is how you properly determine what's being said. You can't try to take something someone said 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, and completely interpret it in today's context. You have to consider everything else that was going around 
on it at that time to really understand where they're coming from. And it's clear in this case when you do that, it was not a homosexual relationship. And as much as it would be unthinkable at the time, and even if it was happening, it would be unthinkable to advertise that it was happening. It wasn't something like it was today. Then David's married to Jonathan's sister, Michal, or Michael. He was one of David's wives, which didn't start very well, if you remember. He won her in a contest. Not a great start. Like, hey, Danya, I won you. <laughs> when he, it, 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 in the contest was, you know, if you remember, he had to find 100 Philistine foreskins. It was, not, it, was, it was a gruesome contest, and he wins her, and she didn't really even like him. It was a contentious relationship at best, so he could have been comparing the love that him and Jonathan had with the love or lack thereof that he had with Michael. And there's been studies today, there have been studies today, that show a deep relationship between soldiers who've gone to battle together. There's a bond that's formed when you fight in battle together, and David and Jonathan fought in battle together. They say, in, in some cases, soldiers come home from that, and they end up trusting those they fought with more than they trust their own family. So when David says, hey, your love was better than the love of a woman. We, in today's context, I'm sorry, it's almost no way around it. We sexualize it immediately when there was nothing about it that was sexualized. We can't, in today's culture, read something like this without thinking about it that way, unfortunately, but we've got to train our minds not to be influenced by our over-sexualized culture when we read stuff like this. It wasn't that way. In some ways, what I'm really saying is we have to do work. It's work today to keep our minds out of the gutter. It's just work. And let me just encourage you, life is so much more than sexuality and relationships are far more than that too. Our identities and the foundation of our relationships are so much more than our sexuality. I look at it this way. Jesus said, no greater love is there than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friend. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war have perished. This might have been how the disciples felt when Jesus died on the cross. No, Jesus wasn't like Saul. I've said it a million times, Jesus and David are more alike for now. But I notice in verse 26, I already said it, that David starts talking to Jonathan as though he's still alive. And here's a thought, perhaps David knew he was still alive. Just tuck that away for later thinking. No greater love though. David doesn't cancel Saul. Jesus doesn't cancel you and I. David's love covered a multitude of sin in Saul. Jesus' love and blood covers all our sin. And by the way, takes away our shame too. David experienced the faithful love of a friend who laid his life down for him. And that's what that verse is about. 
We lose it when we make it about something else. David experienced the faithful love of a friend who laid his life down for him. Jesus is that faithful friend who said, there is no greater love than a man lay down his life for his friends and Jesus laid down his life for you and me. We see him everywhere in scripture, even in this song. And we've got to take it to heart what we're learning about him. I want you to know Jesus would never cancel you. He would always cover you. And he has already laid his life down for you. Let's pray. Jesus, yours is the name above all other names. And we thank you that even as we read things like this about David that are admirable, and we admire him for those things, he's still just a man. Jesus, you came to earth, and you were a man also. But you were also God. You lived a, a human life. You suffered all that comes with that broken humanity. You did lay your life down for us. You do cover our sin when we run to you. And really, instead of canceling us, you made a way for us. It's the gospel. It's the good news, Jesus. And we thank you for the good news. Holy Spirit, now speak to every heart here. With your eyes closed for just a minute, you realize no matter how bad things have gotten, maybe how bad you've gotten, how deep in a hole you've dug yourself with your choices, do you know that Jesus has still not canceled you? In fact, he's here this morning. He's saying, I laid my life down for you. And I want to cover your sin. I want to forgive you. Say, Pastor Mike, I've never really heard it that way. But if that's how Jesus is, then I want to give him my life. I want to ask him to help me get out of this pit. I want him to ask me to save me from myself and lead my life. You may have gone through that motion before, but this morning you say, I really want to do this for real this time. Say, Pastor Mike, that's me. Would you pray for me? Will you just lift a hand? Let me know. Hey, that's me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Maybe, maybe you've canceled some people in your life. Maybe you have some relationships that you've cut off or that really need to be reconnected. And this whole idea of honoring the good in spite of the bad and learning from the bad is really challenging your heart today in some relationships. 
the Holy Spirit can help you, a lot of times forgiveness is at the center of that problem. Holy Spirit can help you forgive. And forgiveness, by the way, is a choice you make. You don't wait until you feel like you've forgiven. You make the choice, and then the feelings follow. So this morning you say, yeah, I've got some people in my mind and heart. They may not even know it, but I've canceled them. I just stopped. I just don't give them anything. And I need God's help to forgive them. I need God's help to undo that. Say, Pastor, that's me. Would you raise your hand? Amen. Amen. I think all of us at one point or another have a relationship that we've got to do that. Would you stand with me? In a in a couple minutes, we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna have baptisms. I'm very excited. About Don't rush out. We want to see this happen and hear these testimonies. They're gonna be powerful. But before we do that, I want us to take a minute to respond to what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. And there's not a better song. Whatever the situation is, whether it's you coming to Christ because you know He's not canceling you, He's covering you. Speak the name of Jesus over your life. If it's a relationship that's strained or you've canceled, speak the name of Jesus over that relationship. And as you do that, ask him, Lord, less of me and more of you in this situation. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to love people. I want my love to cover them. I don't want to cancel people because you didn't cancel me. Help me, Jesus. Would you pray with me, Father? We thank you for that challenge that we have today and that you will help us with that challenge so this morning as we go back into this song uh, help us to respond to what you're doing in our lives in jesus name amen we're